9, but also we're going to be reading Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. Are you there? Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 9, he says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The things which you learned, received, heard, saw, do, and the God of peace will be with you. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, And verse number 1, Paul writes and he says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. This morning we're going to continue the message that we began last Sunday morning. Entitled 55 and Reflecting. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have today again to be in your house and uh, to worship you. Lord, to, uh, to be in your presence, oh God, is so awesome and, and so incredible, and we thank you for it today. God, we just pray again that your anointing, Lord, will rest upon the message and the messenger today. Give us ears to hear the word, and Father, may we make application of the word that we receive today. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, recently, a couple of weeks ago now, I had my 55th birthday, so I am officially old enough now to eat at Denny's and Luby's. Doesn't mean I'm going to, but I'm old enough to do that now, all right? I'm not setting myself up this morning as some kind of expert on life. And yet there are some things that I have learned, some things that I have gleaned in the 55 years of my life. Paul said in our text to imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now, I certainly do not want to put myself in the same category as the Apostle Paul. And yet I can't help you this morning uh, if you will listen to what I have to say, if you will apply uh, the principles and the things that I have learned in the last 55 years, if you'll apply them to your life, they can be a blessing to you and can help you as well. I'm 55, I'm reflecting. These are about a few of the lessons that I have learned. Let me first of all begin uh, with a simple review of the three lessons that we talked about last Sunday. The first thing that I have learned, and these are in no order, but we talked about it last Sunday, and that is you are and will be who you listen to. You are and you will be who you listen to. The voices that you entertain, the voices that you listen to, the voices that you allow to speak into your life. These voices will mold you into the person that you will become. This is very, very critical. This may be the most important lesson that I've ever learned in my entire life. You see, there are a host of voices that are trying to speak to us. Your parents have a voice, your kids have a voice, your teachers have a voice, the media has a voice. There's the voice of Hollywood, there's the voice of music, there's the voice of friends. There's God's voice, there's the devil's voice, there's men's voice. It's it's absolutely critical whose voice we choose to listen to. The second thing that we talked about last Sunday was simply the fact that life's not fair. Life's not fair. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. 
We start out our lives being read storybooks of fairy tales. Once upon a time, the stories began, and they always end with, and they lived happily ever after. And yet, when we get a little bit older, we discover that life doesn't always work out that way for us. There's divorce, there's abuse, there's disease, there's death, there's a host of other things that happen uh, to a lot of people. Life's not fair. Life is full of, of surprises. And these surprises don't always come with balloons and streamers and a party. They're not always good surprises. Friend, the only way to be truly happy in life is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Friend, only through the supernatural joy of the Lord in our lives can we truly be happy and satisfied in life. Now, does this relationship with Jesus Christ, does that insulate us from all of the bumps and bruises and unfair treatment that life dishes out? Absolutely not, but yet God gives us joy in spite of our circumstances because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The third thing we talked about last Sunday is that you won't always get everything you want. You won't always get everything you want. Well, here's the good news this morning. You were wrong about what you thought you wanted. You see, what you think you want and what you really want are two completely different things. We think that we know what we want. We think we know what it would uh, take to make us happy and fulfilled and satisfied in our life. And we pray and we say, God do this and God do that and God do something else. And when God doesn't do everything the way that we think he ought to, then we think he's being mean to us or, or that he doesn't love us or that there's no need to pray. But the truth of the matter is, this morning God knows what's best for us. He knows what we truly need and we really want and what would genuinely make us happy and content, fulfilled and satisfied in life. No, my friend, you don't always get everything that you want, but it's okay because God's plan is better. And what God wants for us is the very same thing that we would want for us if we were only smart enough to want it. That's what we talked about last Sunday. Let's move on this morning. Let's talk about number four or number one today. But number four in this message of 55 and reflecting, I've also learned that number four, you can't rely on your feelings. You can't rely on your feelings. How many understand that feelings are fickle? Feelings lie to you. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, We walk by faith and not by sight. I believe we can also say we walk by faith and not by feelings. Have you ever heard a preacher say something like this? Well, if you don't feel something right now, there must be something wrong with you. You know, I cringe every time. I hear a preacher say something like that. Because if that statement is true, then there's something wrong with me about half the time. Here's what I know this morning. It's a, it's a whole lot easier to feel something when you're on the platform holding the microphone. I said, it's a whole lot easier to feel something when you're up on the platform and you've got the microphone, amen? Listen, some of the most animated people on the platform turn into some of the deadest people in the pew. Yeah. Yeah. 
Here's what's funny. The Sunday that I just think I've just hit a Grand Slam home run, man. I mean, I'm really feeling it, man. I mean, I think I just broke the record for the best sermon ever preached in the history of preaching. Oh, I can't hardly wait to run out to the foyer and can't wait for people to come running to me and tell me how great I preached that day. Invariably, no one will say a word. And when I get home, my wife won't say anything. And finally, I won't be able to stand it anymore. And I will say, honey, how was the sermon this morning? And she'll say, well, it was good, honey. Not not your best, but it was good. (laughs) But that just can't be. I mean, I was really feeling it that day. You know, Felix, oh, Felix. You can help me with my pitch this week, all right. And then there are other times that, that I'll be preaching and how oh, to me it will be dead and dry and uninspiring. I'll feel like that I have literally had to force out every single word. Oh, and I'm thinking while I'm preaching, just let me get to the end of this sermon. If I could, I'd run out the side door and I'd just keep on running. Hey man, I wouldn't want to face anybody, wouldn't want to talk to anybody. I felt like I just laid an egg. I felt like I had a, just had a, you know, just a, it was just a bomb that day. Oh, but invariably on those days people will come one after the other and say great sermon pastor never heard anything quite like that oh pastor that was exactly what I needed oh pastor do you have my do you have my house bugged (laughs) feelings they're unreliable aren't they they're unreliable. You can't depend on your feelings. Sometimes when I pray, oh, when I pray, sometimes it seems like the heavens open up for me and oh, I can hear the angels singing and I'm personally escorted into the very throne room of God and I feel like, oh, I'm all engulfed in rapturous ecstasy. Prayer is easy, enjoyable, and incredibly wonderful. And then there are times when I'm praying. That it's like I'm banging my head up against a brick wall. I don't feel anything. Oh, at that time it seems like God is nowhere to be found. That he's a million miles away. Trigonometry would be easier than prayer in times like this. David must have felt the same way sometime when he said in Psalm 10 and 1, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Learn this lesson in life this morning. You can't rely on your feelings. Our feelings don't always match the facts. But know this this morning, no matter how I feel, God's word remains true. No matter how I feel when I pray, I know I have an audience with God. How do I know that? Because he told me so in his word. He said, call on me and I will hear thee and answer thee and show you great and mighty things. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. Whether or not I feel His presence is irrelevant. He promised to be there. And Hebrews 6 and 18 tells me it is impossible for God to lie. So learn this lesson this morning in life. You can't rely on your feelings. Another thing that I have learned in life, and that is that everything is not as it appears on the surface. Everything is not as it seems on the surface. 
You know, people are notorious for playing make-believe. I remember when I was just a kid, there was a family uh, that uh, my family was acquainted with. And in my little boy eyes, I, to me, they were rich. I mean, they had a whole lot more than we did. So in my eyes, they were rich. Uh, they lived in a big, fancy house. Uh, drove a brand new Lincoln Continental. Back in the day when those Lincoln Continentals were about 40 feet long, you know. Their kids had every toy and gadget there was. They ate out at fancy restaurants. Their, the mom and the dad wore fla- flashy clothes. One day I said to my dad, I said, I wish we were rich like so-and-so. I remember my dad kind of chuckled. He said, son, they're not rich. They're just in debt. (laughs) I was just a kid. I didn't understand debt. But not too long afterwards, this family filed for bankruptcy and lost everything that they had. Everything is not as it appears on the surface. Too often we look at what somebody else has or we look at somebody in some position. uh, uh, Oh, oh, we think they've got it made. If only I could have what they have. If only I could be in life where they are in life. We don't really know what's going on. Not really. The appearance that they present might just be a facade. Oh, they may appear to be rich, but maybe they're just in debt. They they might appear to be the all-American couple, but it might actually be World War III behind closed doors. Actor Harrison Ford said in an interview, he said that although he is famous and rich, although he said that he had everything and anything that money could buy, but he said the one thing that he doesn't have is the one thing that he wants most of all, and that is peace. You see, everything is not as it appears on the surface. And the devil works overtime in this area of our lives. He'll say things like, look at so-and-so. They they have it all. They have it all. They live like the devil. And you live like a saint. And yet they have everything and you don't have anything. But remember, everything is not as it appears on the surface. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 14 and 12, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof. Is the way of death. In Luke chapter 12, we find the story of the rich man who thought he had it all, man. Ah, He had so much, he had to build a bigger storage building in order to put it all in. He said, I'm just going to sit back and relax. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. Man, I've got it all. I've got everything I could ever possibly want. I've got it made. But the Bible said God called him a fool. Now man would have placed him in who's who. Man would have, would have asked him to write a book. Man would have named him man of the year. But God said he's a fool. Because everything is not as it appears on the surface. I remember when my wife and I were first married. Married very, very young, you know, at the age of 17. Four months after our wedding, we moved 200 miles away from our family, from our home, to 
to pastor 13 people in a tiny little town. My brothers were living in Oklahoma City. They were partners in the construction business. They were making money. They were buying houses. They were buying cars. They were buying toys. They were living the good life. And I was pastoring 13 senior citizens. Making $15 a week. I had the same construction skills that my brothers had. And yet I was pastoring 13 senior citizens and nearly starving to death. I remember being jealous of my brothers in those early years. I remember being jealous of them and the lives that they were leading. Let me tell you something this morning, 37 years later. As I look back upon those years, and look back upon those days, and as I examine my life, I'm so thankful to God for every lesson that I learned in those early days. They were hard. It's not easy to watch others prosper while you struggle, especially when you could be doing the very same thing that they are doing that is bringing prosperity to them. But who knows for sure what's really going on in the lives of the other people. And I'm a better man today because of those early experiences. My my early struggles make my latter day blessings seem even sweeter. No, no, I don't want to go back and redo any of those early years. But on the other hand, I wouldn't take anything for them. And the fact that my wife would be willing to walk with me through those early day struggles makes me love her more than ever. Remember this lesson this morning. Everything is not as it appears on the surface. Everything that glitters is not gold. 55 and reflecting. The sixth thing I want to talk about this morning is simply this. There is no free lunch. There's no free lunch. And hey, our American society needs to hear this today. Because it seems that for some their mentality is something magical is going to happen for me and put me on top without any effort of my own. Oh, I'll purchase the winning lottery ticket or I'll inherit millions from a rich uncle or I'll find an old bottle with a genie inside. Sorry. It's not going to happen. There's no free lunch. Nothing magical is going to happen for you unless you make it happen. And the quickest way for you to get to the top is for you to get off your bottom. Proverbs 10 and 4 said, the hand of the diligent will make you rich. Proverbs 12 and 24 says, the hand of the diligent will rule. Proverbs 22 and 29 says, do you see a man who is diligent in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. I've got a word from the Lord for somebody here today. Thus saith the Lord, set your alarm clock, get out of bed in the morning and go to work. And if you're unemployed, 
Unemployment is not meant to be a paid vacation. If you're unemployed, your job is finding a job. So don't lay around and waller and sell pity. Don't take a vacation. Get up, shower, shave, amen, clean yourself up, amen, and spend the day that you would be spending at work. Spend that day trying to find you a job. Your job is to find a job. And I know you don't want to hear this this morning, but you should work a menial job until the dream job comes along. Well, Pastor, there's no jobs out there. No, no, you're saying there's no six-figure incomes out there where I don't have to work. All i got to do is show up. No, those jobs aren't out there. But I'm telling you, there's work to be done. There's jobs out there to be had. Amen. It may not be in line with what you want to do the rest of your life. You don't have to do it the rest of your life. You just need something to put beans and potatoes on the table. Amen. And pay the light bill in the interim time while you're waiting for the dream job to come along. Let me tell you this morning, there's no free lunch. Your ship is not going to come in. Ed McMahon is not going to appear at your front door with a six-foot-long check from Publisher's Clearinghouse. God says make a plan and then work that plan. There's no free lunch. There's an African parable that goes like this. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. And it knows that it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning, a lion wakes up. It knows that it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. It doesn't matter whether you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. (laughs) 55 and reflecting this morning. Number seven this morning. Wow, this is so important. This is so important. People are more important than positions and projects. People are more important than positions or projects. Nearly 10 years ago now, my wife and I decided to take a little break from pastoring. We would travel, we would preach revivals and preach weekend services and do that for a while. My son, who had been my youth pastor for the past five years of our ministry there, had done an incredible job. He had taken our youth from about, I don't know, 15 or 20 to 125 Word had gotten out. He was being sought out by three large churches who were courting him and wanting him to become their youth pastor. I had already resigned my church, but I had not left yet. I had given them some time before I left and... And people were coming to us and people were begging us to reconsider and asking us to stay. Pastor, just take a sabbatical. Pastor, just take some time off. Whatever, but don't resign. Don't leave. Well, the day came that I decided I changed my mind. I think I will reconsider 
and stay. Well, I hadn't said anything to anyone. And the very day that I had changed my mind and decided, I'm going to stay, I'm not going to leave, I'm going to stay. Before I could say anything to anyone, my son came to me and he said, Dad, he said, I think I might be interested, instead of going off and being a youth pastor at one of these large churches, I think I might be interested in becoming the senior pastor of this church. Dad, people have come to me and people have asked me to consider being senior pastor of the church. He, of course, didn't know that I had changed my mind and that I was staying. I said, son, if you're sure you're interested, said I said, I'll back you all the way. And just two or three weeks later, he became senior pastor of the church that I pioneered. The church that I was leaving, but decided I wasn't going to leave. And all of a sudden, he's the pastor and I'm the itinerant evangelist. Because people are more important than positions. Or projects. Several years ago, my wife was, this was a long time ago now, but several years ago, my wife was really struggling with all the pressure that comes with pastoring. And one day I set her down and I said to her, Honey, you just say the word and we'll walk away. Because my marriage is more important than my ministry. And if I don't have my marriage right, I can't do ministry right. And I said, honey, you just say the word and I'll resign. You say the word and we'll step out of the ministry for a while. I'll walk away from it. Honey, if if it's what we need to do. Because people are more important than positions and projects. Twenty years ago or so, my son was playing in a state baseball championship game. The game was scheduled to be played on Wednesday night. I'm a pastor. I preach on Wednesday night. What am I going to do? Tell you what I did. My wife and I were in the stands cheering on our son at the state baseball championship game on Wednesday night. Some people in our church criticized us for missing church. Pastor is not preaching. He's at a ball game on Wednesday night. And we received criticism. The next Sunday morning, I addressed the church body. And I said to everyone that was there on that Sunday morning, I I said, I understand that some of you were upset because your pastor was at a baseball game Wednesday night and not in his pulpit. I said, first of all, it wasn't just any game. It was the state playoff game. And it meant everything in the world to my son. 
And I said, I don't know how long that I will be your pastor. It might be two years. It might be 20. But the day will come, I know, when I am no longer your pastor. But I want to tell you that 20, 30, 40, 50 years from today, I'm still going to be Chad Benson's father. And I choose my son. And the church body all stood up and clapped and cheered because people are more important than positions or projects. And hear me this morning that if it ever comes down to a choice, always choose people. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is I reflect over 55 years of living. I've learned that God is not out to get you. And I had to learn it. I had to learn that myself. I've talked about this before, but I have to talk about it in, this, in the setting of this message. You see, when I was growing up, and I'm not hurling stones at our... Thank God for everyone that has ever been before us in ministry. They weren't all right, and we're not all right. And I don't mean to cast a bad shadow or anything, but when I was growing up, it seems like most preachers I heard painted this picture of God as this big, mean bully in the sky holding a billy club in his hand, just waiting for you to get out of of line so he could whack you over the head with it. That's the God that I grew up with. There was an old song that they used to sing years ago when I was a kid. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. You remember that song? Watching you, watching you. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. And I remember as a little bitty kid, when they would sing, there's an all-seeing eye watching you, I could envision this big old giant eyeball. Just following me around everywhere. (laughs) Looking at everything I was doing. Going everywhere I was going. Big old eyeball. Just right over my head. Just looking. Just waiting for me to mess up or get out of. I had to learn this lesson. I've told you before, but I'm 55 and reflecting, that's what we older people do. But my perspective of God changed the day that they placed my firstborn son in my hands. That's when my perspective of God changed. Here he is. He's my boy. He's my son. Five pounds and 13 ounces. Chad Michael Benson. I didn't know him. I I didn't know what his little personality would be. I, I didn't know anything about him. They just placed him in my hands. He had blotches on his face. Had a big old strawberry up over his, on his forehead. He was wrinkled. He was, his head 
His head was all out of shape from the birthing process. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. He couldn't feed himself. But I fell madly in love with him. The moment they put him in my hands, the moment I looked into his eyes, the moment they put him in my hands, I fell madly in love with my son. He had done absolutely nothing to earn my love, but I was instantly crazy about him. And then the thought came to me, If an earthly father can love unconditionally, how much more, how does my heavenly father who created me, how much more must he love me? And somebody here today needs to hear this God is crazy about you. He's not this big, giant, mean bully in the sky with a, with a big old stick waiting to whack you over the head when you get out of line. He's not this big old giant eyeball that is following you around just waiting to catch you doing something you ought not do. No, no, God is absolutely crazy about you. Listen, I don't know if he has a refrigerator, but if he does, your picture is on it. He's not out to get you this morning. Amen. He loves you. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not have to perish but have everlasting life. John 15 and 13 says there's no greater love. All greater love has no other man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Oh, not only is God not out to get you, my friend, but He wants you to have a wonderful life. He's crazy about you. He wants you to have an exciting, fulfilling life. Let me give you my favorite scripture one more time. John 10 and 10. Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance. Have it unto the full and have it until it overflows. No, my friend, God is not out to get you, but God is madly in love with you. Amen. God is crazy about you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning, please. I'm 55 and reflecting. I could go on and on and on and on and on, but this is where we're going to stop. These are about a few of the many, many lessons that I have learned. You are and will be who you choose to listen to. Be very careful who you allow in your inner circle. Love everybody. Love everybody. Be gracious and kind to everybody. But be very careful who you allow in your inner circle. Life's not fair. It's not. But God is good. You're not going to always get everything that you want. But you don't really know what you want anyway. You can't rely on your feelings. They're fickle. Everything is not as it appears on the surface. There's no free lunch. People are more important than positions or projects. So if you ever have to make a choice, always choose people. And no, my friend, God is not out to get you. God is madly in love with you. God is absolutely crazy about you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment this morning? Father, I just pray today, Lord, that 
People under the sound of our voice today, hopefully will have heard the, the word of the Lord, Lord, that you have, Lord, laid upon our heart. Father, maybe there's somebody here today, they've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Let this be the day when they do. Could I have four altar workers this morning, just four, and very quickly and very quietly get in place this morning, four altar workers, very quickly and very quietly. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, and we have four. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed this morning. Nobody's leaving, nobody's looking about. We still have business to do. We've rearranged the services. We've got more things to do this morning. Hang on with us. The most important thing that I've learned in my life is there's nothing more important than my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not only am I saved today, but I have a personal relationship with the Lord. And you can too. If you're here this morning, if you were to die in the next five minutes and you're not 100% sure of your salvation, you're not 100% sure of your salvation. If you were to die in five minutes, you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven. You would like to have that assurance this morning. If I've described you, I want you to lift your hand up real high this morning and Let me recognize that you've lifted your hand. You don't have to come forward. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you want to know that you know that you know that you know that you're ready to meet God. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand. I want you to lift your hand this morning. All right, I'd like to have everyone stand in the presence of the Lord this morning. Everyone standing in the presence of the Lord. As Braden leads us in a chorus this morning. I'm opening the altars this morning for a few moments. The altar workers are here today to to pray with you if you need something. If you need someone to pray with you, you need someone to agree with you in prayer, they're here to pray with you today.